Hey friends, welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. I'm your host, Lauren Jackson. Today, Matt Markins joins me on the podcast. Matt is the president and CEO of Awana. And as you can tell in this episode, he is really passionate about creating environments for kids to learn about God and be discipled. I mean, aren't we all really passionate about those two things? It was truly an honor to have Matt join me on the episode today and just to hear more of his story, what his hopes are for this next generation, and just so much information. Now, I don't normally say this, but make sure you grab your notebooks as you listen to this episode because this is definitely a note-taking episode. Matt shares some incredible information about formative faith practices for kids and tips on how we can equip our volunteers to disciple well. We talk about what the next big focus will be or should be or could be for kids ministry leaders and why this is important work for this next generation. I know many of you will be listening and saying amen as we have this conversation. Before we jump into the conversation with Matt, I want to tell you about the three brand new cohorts that are launching this spring. We have three. Yes, we have a kids ministry cohort, a student ministry cohort, and a next gen cohort. Yes, we have a cohort for the entire family ministry team. These cohorts are nine or 12 weeks of group coaching where leaders get to come together to learn and grow in their giftings as leaders, build community with leaders who have similar tensions and gain new insights as you hear what is happening at churches all around the country. You can head to kidsministrycircle.com to learn more and sign up today. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Lauren, thanks for having me. Good to be with you. Yes, it's so good to have you here. I would love to kind of kick off our conversation just by me getting to know you a little bit better, but also for our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. So I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself, a little about your family and how you kind of got started in the ministry world. Well, I was a children's ministry kid. I was discipled by the church Uh, So one of my earliest core memories uh, was the day that my dad left the house and left our family. And so not long after that traumatic event, my mother, uh, now single, finds her way into a local church. And uh, I can remember some of these first visits. I remember being in a children's ministry, what would have been a, a probably upper preschool room, I remember a man and what I assume would be his wife, and he's got a guitar, and he's singing Jesus Loves Me, and I'm like dialed in on what's happening in that room, probably very much because I'm thinking, boy, my world is a little tumultuous, and whatever this Jesus thing is, it's happening right here. This this sounds really good. And Mm -hmm. so from a very early age, probably four, four, maybe five years old, took my first step of faith in following Jesus. Uh, I even remember it was probably a Sunday night or a Wednesday night because there's a bank of windows off to the left in my mind's eye and it's pink outside, which tells me that the sun is setting. So it's evening time and there's just one other child in the room. So two kids, two adults. So if you're in preschool or children's ministry and you never have one of those low attendance days, you know, don't, don't dismiss those. The Holy Spirit is at work. And so uh, yeah. Fast forward a few years, I remember sitting in children's ministry uh, with flannel graph and like 1980s children's ministry, and I'm like consuming the Bible. And I was not a good student as a child. I was, I was very talkative, but something was happening in children's church that just was regularly drawing me in. Uh, 
And uh, fast forward to the teen years, uh, youth pastor giving me opportunity to use my limited gifts and skills and just got so active in, in youth groups. So whether it was children's church or youth group or a deacon or someone mentoring me, taking me to the park, the church just discipled me. And mm-hmm. um, it's just, uh, I'm very grateful to this day, uh, which, you know, I have a huge heart for the church. And it's because the church, the church formed me. So moved to Nashville at age 18, fell into the Nashville publishing world, Christian publishing, you know, Nashville's like Christian music and Bible publishers, curriculum publishers. Yep. Fell into that space. I co-founded something called D6 or the D6 Conference, which is about the church and the home working together to disciple kids. And along that way, I ran into the Awana people uh, doing a lot of research on family ministry, how to kids, how is childhood faith formed. And we had a local Awana experience. And so I really had a that was my bridge to join uh, the Awana organization about 11 years ago. So, yeah, the church, the church uh, just allowed me to see the gospel presented so, so clearly. That's awesome. What a great story. I love that. I love just your experience in the church. And I'm sure you have gone through seasons where the church has not been its best. And I often kind of share this in my own story of like my love for the local church is still there even after those really hard seasons in the church. And it's just, you get to remind yourself of, I have this really great experience in the church. And just because I've had one negative experience or a couple negative experiences, like God is still working through the local church and you hear stories like yours and you're like, man, it's just a good reminder to hear that the local church still does matter. And so it's always good to hear stories and kind of see how God has worked through his people and kind of put the right people in the right place at the right time um, to especially impact us as we were kids, but also impact this next generation. So I have to share my, uh, I have a kind of like a memory of Awana I was only in Awana for a couple years growing up and in my cubby years. And it was like a very short season. I don't know if we like switched churches or something happened, but I was only in Awana for a couple years. And I live in Colorado. I grew up in Southern California. And so I did not grow up grow up in the Bible Belt or Mm -hmm. the Southern states where midweek programming and those things tend to be the most popular. And so I have this vision of the Awana from the nineties, which is not what Awana is today in a lot of ways. And so I would love for you to kind of give the people listening just to like, here's what's going on. Here's, here are some big things. I know you guys launched bright not too long ago. You have the child discipleship forums, which I only hear good things about. And you guys have a lot of, of new and exciting things happening inside the world of Awana. And so why don't you share some of that? Sure. Well, I'll start with the basic boilerplate uh, information. Awana is a global child discipleship organization, uh, present as active and present ministries in 135 countries, partnering with 77,000 churches. Uh, We engage, uh, through the local church, engage 6.4 million children on a weekly basis. 
um, we have a saying at Awana that says uh, we are centered on the gospel, rooted in scripture, and we will never move one inch off of the Bible. So the, the, the helping children have a scriptural engagement experience is really critical uh, to who we are and what we do. But we do that through the power of one loving, caring adult or a group of loving caring adults. So when I joined the organization 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, the organization at that time was about uh, 63 years old. We're now 74 years old. Um, and at that time, when I joined I, as a vice president, I was asking the question, hey, what is it, what is it that made, where Awana was successful, what made this mm-hmm. ministry successful? And, but to yeah. take that question even more strategic in our research, I specifically started asking the question, what is it the church does that leads to lasting faith in kids? So in other words, what are the, where kids, uh, children, childhood faith is formed, a worldview is largely formed by the age 13, 14, and these children go on to live uh, lives with Jesus into their young adulthood years. So what formed mm-hmm. childhood faith? So we really built yeah. all of our innovation of the last decade around that singular question. And so uh, today, Awana, we think of ourselves as like Chipotle. We have all the ingredients behind the counter. Uh, Do you want a burrito? We can do that. Do you want a salad? Do you want a taco? Like we have the ingredients to help your church build an effective child discipleship ministry. So what we essentially what we've done with our core two programs of Awana US and Awana International, what we did is we built around those through innovation, through that singular question of what is it the church does that leads to lasting faith in kids? So what we built through yeah. our innovation is research, insight, training, and equipping. So we have a whole training, equipping, research, insight system that we built uh, through a series of books that we're, we've written. We have one that we're writing now with Moody Publishers called Forming Faith. It comes out uh, in August. Um, and we have events like the Child Discipleship Forum. We have an event next month with uh, John Mark Comer in California uh, called the Forming Faith Collaborative. So this whole ecosystem we built uh, is designed to bring insight. You know, that's that aha, like, oh, I see how mm-hmm. the world is forming my kids. Or I, I understand the primary factors that tend to shape lasting faith. Uh, and then yeah. we, can, we can go a level below that, which is practical equipping on what are the behaviors that I, as an adult volunteer or a parent, would employ to help influence and shape the faith of my children. So that's a bit of a description of where we are today. And a lot of it has mm-hmm. to do with taking the, the timelessness of Awana clubs and what was it that made it influential right. and going back to those roots and building around that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. As you kind of think through that question of like, how has faith been formed in the life of a child? What have been some of those things as you, as, as you have done that research and as you have dug deeper into that question, what are some things that have bubbled up to the top on that kind of, are those ingredients for forming faith in a child? Well, one of the most well-known, well-respected young, or excuse me, young person faith research experts is Christian Smith. Uh, so any time my research aligns with his, I, I feel pretty good about the insights. But he, he said it best uh, about, I think it was 2007, but his, his research around students, uh, he said that when a, when a student or a young person has relationships, 
Scripture engagement mm-hmm. and experiences. We call those same three factors belong, believe, become. Belong is that highly relational yep. piece. That's, that's a young person, whether it be a child or a student, that has weekly consistent access to at least one loving, caring adult. By the way, Harvard Center for Developing Child, their research mirrors all of this as well. So that first mm-hmm. factor is relationships. We call that belonging. The second one is what we call believing, which is that deeply scriptural piece. So when a child has the privilege of being in an environment, whether that's home, church, or everything in between, where they have consistent scripture engagement, that could be I'm hearing it read, that could be I'm reading it, or I'm hearing it taught, or I'm hearing it discussed and talked about, we're memorizing yeah. it. It's a variety of ways that scripture engages the life of a child to where they see they see it and hear it clear, and they experience it clearly and consistently. Mm-hmm. And then the third factor is what we call become, which would be experiences. How does a child experience the world around them? How do they experience the presence of God? How do they experience the practices of the faith? So again, what, what Christian Smith makes so clearly is it's not any one of those factors. It's when they're all three present on a consistent mm, basis. Yeah. And that's precisely what our work shows as well. So we, we call those belong, believe, become. We, uh, in our ministries, in our local children's ministry, we want to have an environment that's highly relational, deeply scriptural, and truly experiential. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. And as I think about, well, one, I'm super excited because I'll be joining you guys for that event in February, which I'm like super pumped about to kind of engage more in this conversation. But as you specifically think about midweek programming, now the culture that I live in outside of Denver, um, midweek programming is a very rare. Uh, the churches that I have worked at did not have midweek programming. Um, And I feel like a lot of leaders are asking the question, is midweek programming worth it? Is it still worth our efforts? Is it still kind of helping the family go deeper in at-home discipleship? Is it really capturing the kids we want it to capture? Are we just competing with sports and extracurricular activities and all of those extra things that you think about a kid's ministry leader as they're making a decision to either keep midweek programming, start midweek, mid midweek programming. That's a big phrase to say over and over again. Um, but as you think about midweek programming, do you think it's, it's worth it? Like I would love to hear maybe your perspective on here's what we're seeing in midweek programming right now from churches who are doing it and doing it well. And here's maybe why we encourage churches to take that step into planning a Wednesday night, Awana program or something else, something else that happens midweek. Sure. I'd love to respond in maybe three different lenses. The first lens, just to be, to be really clear Although Awana's, uh, the Awana Club's program is known as being a midweek program, we are a child discipleship organization, meaning this is one, like if we're right. General Motors, the Corvette is one thing we sell. It's not the only thing that we have to provide. Right. So we are not a midweek organization. We're a child discipleship organization. But one of our programs is very much known as a club or a midweek opportunity. That's the first lens Mm -hmm. in which I would articulate a response. Secondly, my second response is, I think we have to look at this question through the lens of activities versus outcomes. 
an activity is a methodology, a selection of a day of the week. Uh, so, so selecting when to, when to do a, any kind of program or any kind of formational opportunity th- from, for a child is an activity uh, conversation, mm-hmm. not, an, not an outcome conversation. So the outcome I think we're all looking for in children's ministry is the outcome of shaping and forming childhood faith, ho- hopefully ultimately lifelong faith. Uh, and there's, yeah. there's currently there's 2 billion children on the earth between the ages of 0 and 14. So the opportunity to have programs, whether it's Sunday or Saturday night or Wednesday night, there's ample opportunity to do all kinds of things. Uh, and then here right. in the United States specifically, um, we have churches applying our programs on Sunday on Tuesday night, on Wednesday night, on Thursday night. So I think th- there's a lot of churches who would say it is absolutely worth the effort. So what we, what we do here qualitatively when we hear back from churches is that Sunday is so, uh, it's, very, it's very tightly timed, whether it's 75 minutes or 90 minutes getting from one service to the next, that midweek right. space actually allows more time for qualitative, in-depth relational connection that Sunday mm-hmm. morning doesn't always allow for. So uh, I think you're asking a great question. I also think those are very much local church, like local churches need to be wrestling with those questions. And I, I would, the third lens that I would look at this question through is the lens of attractionalism versus formational. So if the church is trying to answer the question, are we trying to attract more people to our church, Mm -hmm. which is a good question, but I think a better question is a formational question is, are we trying to, how are we forming people in the image of Jesus? And I think a lot of churches, the reason that Awana has such the reputation that we do have is that Awana Clubs provides a qualitative, a quality experience that gives children access to have not only fun and engaging time, but also Bible teaching, but to have one-on-one mm-hmm. time in a group environment uh, with, with a loving, caring adult. So, yeah, I think it's a fantastic question. Lots of churches uh, continue to find midweek valuable, but I think it depends on the mission and focus of your local church, really. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's so encouraging because I, I often tell kids ministry leaders, if you are working on programming and planning something. We talk about this when it comes to planning your year. Like I always encourage leaders to look, to think about what their end goal is. What do you want to see your ministry look like next year? Or what are, what are those defining success metrics? And I love what you had to say of like, well, if you want to form the faith of a child and do this faith forming goal, well, then maybe a midweek program is a great choice. But if you're just wanting to provide entertainment, then that kind of impacts the decision that you make. And I think that's such a good reminder of like, well, you have to, as kids ministry leaders are struggling with this idea, even what they decide, we talk about this all the time when it comes to curriculum, when you're trying to decide what curriculum to choose, it's important for you as a church to define, here's our mission, here's our vision, here's what we want to teach our kids, and then use that lens to decide how you pick mm-hmm. a curriculum. And the same goes for a midweek program. And so that's encouraging to hear. I would love to know where parents fit into this process as like so much of kids ministry is partnering with parents and equipping parents to be that primary discipler. Where do they fit in the belong, believe, and become of those three steps? 
Well, uh, you know, I think about what types of parents, like even as you ask that question, I, I try to, hopefully I can remember, uh, but I, I think of parents in four different categories. There's the highly engaged parent, there's the occasional parent, uh, there's the rare, rare parent, and there, then there's the never, it's not going to happen parent. Um, yeah. you know, so if, as we talk about parents, I think it's helpful if we kind of segment in our mind who we're talking about. The highly engaged parent, mm-hmm. with, with or without the help of the local church, you know, is, <laughs> they're going to engage in the discipleship of their own kids. Right. But that's probably the 10% or so. Most parents are going to fall into the you know, occasional, rarely, or not going to happen. And so mm-hmm. I was really curious about this conversation myself. Um, and so in 2022, I commissioned a, a, a research project um, that was titled, How Do Children's Ministry Leaders Spend Their Time? And the reason that yeah. I, wanted, the reason I wanted to drill down into this um, is because, you know, I was part of like the D6 movement back in 2009. I remember in 2003 when George Barna published Transforming Children into Spiritual Champions, and he he really popularized the phrase, you know, parents are the primary spiritual influence over their kids. Um, mm-hmm. so, I, so, you know, it's been, this last year was the 20 year mark since that phrase was popularized. And I wanted to know, wow. okay, so how have we moved the needle in terms of partnering with parents? Uh, because we say that, that mantra, we, we have others like, hey, we got re- to equip parents, et cetera, et cetera. Well, if that's the case, then help me understand like, what are we actually doing? So what we learned in the research is that uh, children's ministry leaders say, like unequivocally, the number one way to effectively disciple a child is to get a relational training and equipping time with adults, whether that's volunteers or with parents. But when Mm -hmm. we ask them, how, okay, how do you actually spend your time? Relational equipping falls almost near the very bottom so we as a community right. we as a community we lament we, we we declare unequivocally that the number one way to disciple kids is through relational adult equipping but because of mm-hmm. the attractional model of the local church and how much we have to put into our programming and administrative tasks it leaves very little time for relational equipping with parents to go yeah. one step further before before we move on to go one step further when we asked Okay, well then, how how are you equipping and training the parents? By far, mm-hmm. by by a margin of thirty percent or more, it was handing them a resource, whether that's through email right. or or a physical resource. So to kind of summarize mm-hmm. all of this, uh, what the research is telling us that the self-reported information from the children's ministry community, we lament the fact that we don't have enough time in our schedule to do relational equipping, training, mentoring, yeah. and discipling with a parent. So it's, it's easy for us as a community to stay up high with our sound bites of, hey, we're, we're, we're partnering with parents, but the data just doesn't really show that we're seeing the needle move. So we summarize yeah. all of this in one word. We call it the stalemate. We, we, mm-hmm. Lawana says that the church and the home are in a stalemate. We're, we're two different parties. We don't oppose one another. Matter of fact, we love each other, but we don't know how to advance the parent and church partnership. So, what, yeah. so when you ask the question, how, where does the parent fit into the three Bs, going back to the four types of parent, the highly, the highly motivated parent, that they're, they're already doing highly relational, deeply scriptural, truly experiential ministry right. with their kids. So I, th- I think as a church, children's ministry leaders have to wrestle with these other three groups of parents, like, you know, the ones who are kind of engaged or maybe I could somehow influence them. 
I think what we're saying as a community is we've got to wrestle with how could I redo my weekly calendar or my monthly calendar to, to start creating an approach to relational ministry in a world where we just don't get that. So we mm-hmm. don't we don't have that uh, in our it built into our world. So I don't necessarily yeah. have an answer for okay how are we going to solve that? But I think that's right. the conversation of the next five years, which is yeah. how do we become more relational in what we do. And, and less uh, like, hey, I'm going to push send on this email and I'm just going to hope that it happens. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm curious, out of the four types of parents that you mentioned, sometimes the question that kids ministry leaders are asking is, where do I spend my time? Which you've already mentioned earlier, but specifically to parents. Do I continue to push resources to my highly involved parents or do I chase down my never parents? And so out of those four types of parents, where do you think kids ministry leaders should spend the majority of their time if they are working towards building that relationship? Kind of what types of buckets do you feel like kids ministry leaders should focus on? I wish we had three podcast recordings because there's so much to talk about here. Um, yeah, for, for the not going to happen parents, th- this is why the church exists. Think, think about my brief mm-hmm. little story at the beginning. My, my parents yeah. did the best thing ever by getting me access to the church. My mom and my stepdad, yeah. uh, they had tools, but they, had, they were limited with their tools in what, terms of what they could give me. But seeing my stepdad read the Bible in his little lazy boy chair over there in the corner and them taking me to church, like those, those things, that's what really mattered. So for the, for the not mm-hmm. going to happen parents, what happens at the local church matters. And that's where I think we have to remember that highly relational piece. So for the child who's in that home where his parents are not going to engage spiritually, those loving, caring volunteers making, making impressions on that child's life every week or every month as they're engaging in the local church, you're putting everything into that and in, in those opportunities you have and you're doing a lot of prayer that the Holy Spirit's going to work yeah. in that child's life. I think the yeah. majority of your effort, you, you can't put the majority of your effort into the not going to happen parent. You, you, that's, right. again, that's, that's why what happens at church matters. So with, yeah. now we're trying to figure out how do we move the needle with the others. And I, I think, I would think in terms of like a pyramid or like a, okay, that's a bad word, uh, like, like levels of uh, um, like, like everything from like passing in the hallway mm-hmm. all the way to like the next level down to be like, uh, we're having a coffee appointment, next level down, yeah. we've got four parents around a table, next level down, like I've got a formal training opportunity. So like, what are the different right. levels of engagement, everything from the most casual level of engagement to to an actual training with parents. So I, mm-hmm. I would think through how do I intersect parents' lives in those areas and, and build that out over a long period of time. And then secondly, yeah. I, their thing I would say is start small. I, I, w- I wouldn't, mm-hmm. Jesus, was not, Jesus was not pulling his hair out because the attendance of his discipleship group wasn't big enough. I would say start small. Who are the parents yeah. in kind of each one of those other three groups? And I would just see what you learn. Do a year of testing and see what you learn casually, small groups, and informal training environments. And year over year, build on what you learn each year. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And that's helpful. As, as kids ministry leaders think through how they're using their time, how they're reaching their parents. And I, I think sometimes partnering with parents brings a lot of discouragement 
because yes. kids ministry leaders work hard to provide resources and to pick out things and to plan prayer challenges and like all these extra things. And then it falls flat because nobody does it. And that is discouraging. And that's hard for the leader to think about doing that again. And so just thinking through, okay, who are your parents? Where did the majority of your parents fall in those four parent buckets? Because one church yes. may have a ton of highly involved parents. And then yes. the church down the street has a ton of those often parents. And they're going to be focusing on two different strategies for reaching those Correct. parents. And so it's good to think through that context. And just, I think in all my years of kids ministry, there were some things that failed and some things that hit home and really impacted the way that parents did discipleship. And so mm. it's like, try a couple things and know that some of them are going to flop and then hopefully some of them are going to stick. And I feel like we use the kind of the phrase of, you put on an event and then you hope that at least one child comes to know Jesus and comes to be saved. And and I think that is a lot of the times the way that we can think about parents is like you plan a training event and parents show up, but then man, even if one family mm. is changed out yeah. of the work that you did, it matters because we hope that then that family and their entire generational line will be impacted for Christ. And so it's, it's hard to think small and think, yeah. okay, my impact may be small and the work that goes in matters. And when it's so easy to be like, well, we want all of our families to participate and we want all of our families to do X, Y, and Z. I, yeah. think, what, I think what you're describing, I, I heard kind of three words in my mind that I think about as you were describing, I think of the mundane, the mysterious and the miraculous, like this, these process of trying to influence shape and form childhood faith it's very mundane there's a lot of a lot of repeat you know you mm -hmm. get out of bed and you fix your coffee every day like a lot of your behaviors with trying to influence families and children are it's mundane it's also mysterious because you don't see when the change happens it's like when a child grows an inch like yeah. when exactly did that happen you kind of saw it but you didn't see it at the same time so it's very mysterious mm -hmm. But it's also, it's miraculous. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that's in us. So we have to remember yeah. it's, it's mundane, it's mysterious, and it's miraculous. But our job is to participate with God and let him do the work that we yep. cannot do. Yeah, that's so good. Okay, I'm going to shift gears a little bit and talk about volunteers. Because obviously the belonging piece is a huge part of forming the faith of a child. And I think I think most kids ministry leaders, I feel like this has been a really popular phrase or a thought idea for kids ministry leaders over the past couple of years of relationships matter. They impact how kids see themselves and see their faith. And it's the whole thing of like, if you can put a caring adult who loves Jesus in front of kids, they're more likely to also love Jesus because they have this example of an adult who is living their life for Jesus. And so I would love for you to kind of expand on how do you train volunteers to turn and tell the story of the gospel? And how do you, how can you equip your volunteers to disciple well if they maybe have never been discipled or don't really know what that means? And so we put a lot of pressure on volunteers and sometimes that deters them from serving in the first place. How can kids ministry leaders kind of come alongside their volunteers and equip them with the tools to feel confident when it comes to being that adult that helps kids feel like they belong. 
Yeah, I, th I think I would, if I'm, if I'm a kids pastor, I'm going to really want to understand what are, what are the ways that the, the volunteers and adults in our ministry would prefer to be communicated with and prefer to, to, to be trained. You know, I think most churches mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm familiar with and have a close relationship with do some sort of annual training and child protection and all of those right. sorts of things. And the, I think that's cornerstone, it's foundational. But we're, we also live in the West, in America. We're in a very consumable society. Like today, I, I would guess today, you, within the last 48 hours, you probably consumed a podcast. You probably watched a couple of videos. I just watched that video of the fire trucks swirling down the road. I don't know if you saw that. We just have so much stuff that's coming at no. us. Oh, you got to check that out. You got to check that out, people. Go okay. Google that. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, the fire trucks swirling on the ice through the neighborhood in the driveway. Pretty amazing. Anyway, we live in a, we, oh, live in a we live in a society where there's just so much opportunity to do training in, in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would want to yeah. work with my volunteers on how, how can I create a culture and a system to where I can have something that's bite-sized every week to where over, over the course of a long period of time, I'm continuing to transform your mind, your heart, and your behaviors and how you approach mm -hmm. what you do in children's ministry. I, I, think, I think that that's it. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're, it's about what's going to motivate my heart um, yeah. as, as a parent or as, as a volunteer. So thinking through that. And again, I, I, I also think who are those top three people in your ministry that you're really close to? And you're, you're learning from them and with them in order to know how to influence the whole group. So you might call that your guiding coalition. Yeah. Who's your guiding coalition of kind of inner circle people that's helping you to transform and influence the whole culture of your whole team? So I would work closely mm -hmm. with fewer people in order, order to know how to learn how to influence the whole group. Yeah, that's so great. Find your few that can help you impact the rest of your team. That's really good. Um, okay. I had a question and I just am losing it. It's not in my brain anymore. Uh, okay. I would love to know kind of what, what excites you? You kind of mentioned a little bit briefly about like, what's this next conversation? Um, but what excites you about what's coming next? Obviously this conversation around parent engagement and helping kids ministry leaders connect with parents, but like, what is, what is next for Awana and the research that is going on and the resources that you guys are putting out and um, just like as culture continues to shift and new generations come up I and mean, we're talking about Gen Z and Gen A and all of these new kids that are coming, how can you remain true to those core values of Awana, but then also acknowledge, hey, our kids are different than the kids 30 years ago. And you, like you mentioned earlier, it's like they're consuming more and they're learning differently and their attention span is small. Like all of those characteristics, sometimes the more negative ones that we see of these next generations, how are you guys kind of continuing to kind of bob and weave and engage these kids in a unique way? Wow, that's a lot. Um, hopefully, you can help me keep keep keep. I'm gonna. I made notes in my head. I know while that you was were a talking. big question. So I'd I'd love to talk about the stalemate more. I'd love to talk about cultural formation, mm -hmm. and I'd love to talk about the gospel. So the stalemate, I'll just go yeah. real fast. So 
Um, so, so in August of 2024, we are releasing a book with Moody Publishers. I, I'm writing it with Sam uh, Sam Luce as well as Mike Handler, mm-hmm. um, and we're the the research in there around the stalemate and how to break the stalemate. Uh, so, we, we would say this whole thing of partnering with parents, h- how to actually move the needle. It, it's it's because we're asking parents to do things where they don't have a culture of that in their home. Like in your, imagine your time on a local church yeah. staff team uh, when you were working in a, in, on a staff in a local church. There, there might have been times where a leader or a pastor said, hey, we're going to do this. And you're thinking to yourself, hey, that sounds great, but that's not even the culture of who we are. Like that's what's happening mm-hmm. in the home is we're, we're telling the home, yeah. hey, do this, do that, pray, scripture, music, blah, blah, blah. But what, the reason it's not happening, the reason we're in a church and home stalemate is the culture of the home in America is not designed for discipleship. Discipleship, hmm. discipleship is very yeah. slow in a world of fast. And so to break the stalemate, we have to not only talk about, hey, here's the things you should do as, at home as a parent, but how do we actually reshape the culture of the home? So I'd love for your yeah. listeners to be on the lookout for that, that book that comes out in August. It's called Forming, sure. Forming Faith by Moody Publishers. Uh, but secondly, uh, let's talk about gold cultural formation and gospel formation. So uh, cultural formation is just a simple term to describe, you know, when, when we get out of, if a fish is in water, does the fish realize it's swimming in water, right? So what are the, what are the catchphrases of today to describe the world that today's child is living in? Uh, secularism, uh, post-Christian mm-hmm. culture, hedonism, isolation, anxiety, uh, all, all of these things. Some of those are symptoms, some of those are descriptive words. But t- today's child is growing up in a world that's highly secularized, meaning it's, it's shaping them to become what you might call hyper-individualists. And, and we see that mm-hmm. through Instagram. Instagram is the ultimate tool that helps me to curate an image of my life. But we also know the, the flip yeah. side of that, of that coin is... Um, I'm obsessed with, uh, you know, if, if I don't get enough likes and right, what's that going to do to my anxiety as a teenage girl or a teenage young boy? Um, so, so the cultural formation of today's child is, is happening at a higher level of intensity. It's not like, it's not like we, we don't go back to the book of Daniel and we don't see cultural formation happen. Well, it clearly it's happening in the life of Daniel. We see it all throughout the Bible. We Mm -hmm. see it all throughout human history. But what's happening in today's world is it's happening earlier and it's happening at mm. greater, greater levels of intensity. So to, whether it's the yeah. sexual revolution or technology or the digital isolation thing, today's kids are in a world where cultural formation is happening earlier and at a greater level of intensity. So that, I'm going to transition to gospel now. I, I, think what, I think what's coming next in children's ministry, what, what we hope is coming next and what we are trying to influence as an organization unashamedly is that we make the story of the gospel more clear. What do I mean by that? Yeah. So all of these other, all of these other world, you know, whether it's hedonism or post-Christian culture or secularism. So what is post-Christian culture? It's what Mark Sayers calls the kingdom without the king. It's just a retelling. Mm. It's a, it's a society that wants love and freedom and joy and happiness, but they don't want the source of that freedom, right? So it's a false gospel. Yeah. It's, it's counterfeit. So in children's ministry, mm-hmm. how can we, how do we help today's child? We make the gospel what it already is, which is beautiful. It's yeah. clear and it's compelling. So what is the fullness yeah. of the gospel? The fullness of the gospel is 
there's a creator who created the cosmos and he created me and he loves me, right? What's the second part of the gospel? It's Adam and Eve rebelled in their pride and their sin. And that's where, as a child, I know something is wrong inside of me and I know something is wrong in other people Mm -hmm. because someone kicked me at school and stole my lunch money, all these things, right? Yeah. That's the fall. And then the the third act of the gospel is there is a redeemer and a hero and his name is Jesus. And I learned about that. And then the fourth piece is that it's that renewal piece that by following him, I mm-hmm. can actually be renewed as a child and a young person. So here's, here's, here's yeah. what I want to, like, like a mirror side by side, the cultural formation uh, in our society is telling kids a counterfeit story that's not satisfying. Yeah. It's, it's very alluring and it's highly successful, but it, ultimately that success turns into a failure because it doesn't deliver on its promises. So what can children's ministry mm-hmm. do? Children's ministry can tell the beautiful, compelling story of reality, which is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. If I'm a child, and, and if I can walk out of sixth grade, fifth, sixth grade in children's ministry, and I can understand that framework of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, maybe I haven't fully stepped into my faith. But when I'm 32, mm-hmm. and, I've, and I'm 32, and all the lies of the world have 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 not delivered on their promises, what I remember is what's real, yeah. which is creation, fall, redemption, yeah. restoration. Yeah, that's so good. I think we talk a lot at our local church about restoring ourselves. Oh, that's good. Um, and helping us restore and kind of acknowledge the false stories that were being told. And when it comes to the kids ministry, it's like every Sunday we have the opportunity to restore them. And remind them of the true story of the gospel and acknowledge, hey, we're being told this and we're being told this, but this is what's true. And there is a king and there is joy to be found in the kingdom and there's restoration and redemption and all of these things. And it's just that it's that reminder of like every week, every week we get to restore these kids with the story of the gospel so that they can take it with them as they continue to grow. And as culture continues to get louder and louder and louder, they can hold on to what we know is true and equipping them, equipping them with the tools to read the Bible and figure out it for themselves. And I was just having a conversation uh, with the kids ministry leader last week, talking about BBS and, and the importance of like sharing the gospel during the week of BBS and how important that is and how it should be, like, no, there's no shame in proclaiming a clear gospel to a group of kids that come to VBS that may or may not be at your church on Sunday. And how a lot of leaders are feeling this tension of, gosh, I feel like this is the most important thing right now of just teaching them the gospel story and introducing them to who God is and what does it look like to follow him? And, and I just... There has always been a priority to teach the gospel, but I feel like over the last handful of years, it's grown significantly of like, okay, no, it's not just getting people in the door. It's not just having them be at church on Sunday morning. It's, no, if we only have one hour, what are we going to say for that one hour? And how are we going to make it be about the main point, which is the gospel story. So mm. I'm excited for the continued conversations and for kids ministry leaders to continue to 
engage in this conversation and assess how they're teaching the gospel on a Sunday morning. And maybe things need to shift and maybe things need to change. And so much of kids ministry is not just the kids ministry leader. So much of it is church wide and, and how kids ministry leaders can lead up in this conversation, but also how senior pastors and executive leadership can kind of come behind their next gen team and really champion this well. And um, so I'm looking forward to it. It'll be great. So fun. So fun having these conversations. Okay, Matt, the last question we always ask is if you were talking to someone who is brand new in kids ministry, what would be your words of encouragement or advice? I would say formation, outcomes, and small. So I'll connect these three words. So I, I would be I would have my eyes on the outcome of what I'm looking for. Like, like by the time a student or a child is, let's say, fifth, sixth grade, whatever your scope of ministry is, what, what are the outcomes I'm longing for? But I would even look beyond that to say when, mm-hmm. that, when that child is 24, 34, 47, like what, am I, what, do I, what do I aspire? What does my heart long for? And I, I, would want, I would want to be real clear on what outcomes I'm shaping. So go back to the other word, formation. Like, therefore, what are the things that our church, our community can do to give that child the best opportunity to be formed in the image of Jesus? And then and I would, folk, I would build yeah. my ministry around those. And then thirdly, I would just say small, like, like meaning you can only make so much change in any given season and do, use your influence to make the small and once you get your your master blueprint, which you know, hopefully, hopefully you would you would cultivate that over time, but then just keep work. You cannot change the world in a day. You know, you you take small steps in every yeah. season, whether that season is a week, a month, a quarter, or a year. Just don't don't be anxious. But, uh, walk with Jesus. Walk with the Holy Spirit as you aim to incrementally move things closer to your vision. Uh, th- those would be the words that I would I would focus on. Yeah. That's awesome. How encouraging. Matt, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We will link all the things, all the things for Awana and Bright and the clubs and the books and the events that are going on. We will make sure we link everything in the show notes so people can continue to follow along with the research that's happening, the books that are coming out, and all the information that you guys continue to equip kids ministry leaders with. I know so many of them are very grateful for the work that you are doing and as you just continue to come alongside them and encourage and equip them. So we're grateful. Thanks, Lauren. Good to be with you. Friends, that was such a great and encouraging conversation with Matt. If you want to learn more about how to get connected with Awana, how to look at their curriculum, Bright, I know they just released a brand new preschool element for their Bright curriculum, which I think we are all going to love. If you want to hear about the different events like Child Discipleship Forum and D6 that Matt talked about, everything will be in the show notes below so that you can check it out, learn more, participate if you want to, and just continue to work towards discipling your kids to love God and know him more. We would love to continue this conversation and keep dialoguing about discipleship and kids and programs and parents and midweek stuff and all the fun things that we talked about today. So you can head over to Instagram and Facebook at Kids Ministry Circle and join the community of people engaging in this really, really, really important conversation. As always, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.